welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 15. And told the driver to take him to the airport. He told him that there was an extra $5 if he could do it in silence. They made it in 20 minutes, and the driver never said a word. Then Shadow was stumbling through the brightly lit airport terminal. Shadow worried about the whole e-ticket business. He knew he had a ticket for a flight on Friday, but he didn't know if it would work today. Anything electronic seemed fundamentally magical to Shadow and liable to evaporate at any moment. He liked things he could hold and touch. Still, he had his wallet back in his possession for the first time in three years, containing several expired credit cards and one Visa card which he was pleasantly surprised to discover didn't expire until the end of January. He had a reservation number, and he realized he had the certainty that once he got home, everything would somehow be right once more. Laura would be fine again. Maybe it was some kind of scam to spring him a few days early. Or perhaps it was a simple mix-up. Some other Laura Moon's body had been dragged from the highway wreckage. Lightning flickered outside the airport through the window's walls. Shadow realized he was holding his breath, waiting for something. A distant boom of thunder. He exhaled. A tired white woman stared at him from behind the counter. Hello, said Shadow. You're the first strange woman I've spoken to in the flesh in three years. I've got an e-ticket number. I was supposed to be traveling on Friday, but I have to go today. There was a death in my family. Hmm, I'm sorry to hear that. She tapped at the keyboard, stared at the screen, tapped again. No problem, I've put you on the 3.30. It may be delayed because of the storm, so keep an eye on the screens. Checking any baggage? He held up a shoulder bag. I don't need to check this, do I? No, she said, it's fine. Do you have any picture ID? Shadow showed her his driver's license. Then he assured her that no one had given him a bomb to take onto the plane, and she in return gave him a printed boarding pass. Then he passed through the metal detector while his bag went through the x-ray machine. It was not a big airport, but the number of people wandering, just wandering, amazed him. He watched people put down bags casually. And that's our page. So here is where we really get the first look at Shadow's general mistrust of electronics or other intangible sorts of things. This is really common as the novel moves forward. We've already seen some some aspects of this part of his character. He had books in prison. He had coins and a lot of other physical objects that he would use. And anything he can't put his hands on is something he can't make sense of. This could be also why he's having trouble why he's having trouble coming to terms with Laura's death. He's in denial, for sure, but at the same time, he hasn't seen her body. He hasn't had that chance to see her and say goodbye. So another aspect of his character is that he just doesn't trust those kinds of things until he can physically manifest it or physically put his hands on it. And we do see the denial here, which is part of the Kubler-Ross model of grief. He thinks that surely it must be that some other woman named Laura Moon died, and it's just a big mistake. Which is probably a little more likely than Laura pulling a scam to get him out three days early. After three years, three days is nothing for either of them, and the level of denial it takes for him to really construct this in his mind is it's painful really it's it's not it's not like he's being naive or anything else it's just straight up denial and it hurts 
There's uh, thunder and lightning imagery here, continuing the whole, hey, storm's coming kind of language we've had. In the early part of the book, storms and lightning are important. I don't remember exactly if they continue to be so. In fact, I'm not 100% certain it really continues beyond this chapter. Um, We do have this whole section, uh, part one, just called Shadows, and I don't think it even continues through there. I could be wrong, so I'll make a note and we can keep an eye on it. Shadow also kind of, he's he continues to be the anti-Johnny Larch here and gets his flight changed, gets a new ticket, gets his bag x-rayed, everything. He doesn't, he does not piss off those bitches that work in airports. It's really simple for him to not do so. But as we discussed on the previous page, he's much different from Johnny Larch or the Iceman from a few pages ago. The the woman behind the counter is nameless, but she's specifically white. I don't know that that means anything in the grand scheme of things. But race is important in this book, and it would be foolish to suggest it isn't, especially if you're dealing with modern American culture or even turn-of-the-millennium American culture. Race is a big deal. So we end the page with Shadow noticing people existing and even though the previous page had him addressing that prison is a different sort of place and a different sort of situation than real life it's completely different to actually be dealing with being on the outside again after three years they're just wandering around doing what they want leaving their shit with no one watching it Let's let's keep that in mind, too. Shadow does have a bit of an adjustment period as he's leaving prison here. I think that's it, though. I don't see anything else on the page really jumping out at me. But if there's something I missed, or you just want to get in touch with us, you can email theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Big thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.